Axel, how are you? Good, good. The city of New York, Boricua from the Bronx. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Angel R. Talk. And today I am talking with someone that I met years ago, uh, a Hot 97, and we were on Street Soldiers, Dr. Darren Porcher. How you doing, Angel, good, sir? Angel, I'm good. You're the man. I'm so glad to have the ability to appear on this podcast so we can speak to some real terminal in- issues that are impacting on society. Actually, that day that we met, um, we were also on Fox um, with uh, Lisa Evers. She did a little... Um, like a little right, you killed um, it on both ends. You killed it on Fox <laughs> and you killed it on Hot 97. You're a beast. Now, was that your first um like news appearance or had you done some before that? No, I had done uh several news appearances in the past. So that wasn't my first time being one. Okay. Tell people about that because that's important because it gives them an understanding of why you're always being sought out, including by me. Well, I guess I'm able to satisfy a multitude of different aspects in connection with news. And so, you know, it just goes back to, I was, I'm a prior Air Force vet such as yourself. I think we were in the same unit, if I'm not mistaken. We, you're, you were in the 514th or the 34th. Yep, um, 514th, so, yeah. Right, exactly. So, you know, I did that initially as an enlisted airman, and then I got a commission in the Army, and I became an officer in the Army. And so... You know, initially I did the four years of active duty. And then, you know, after leaving the active duty component, I worked at the United Nations for a year. Um, after working in the UN for a year, then I was, um, I guess I became a member of the NYPD, did that for 20 years, police officer, sergeant, mm-hmm. detective, and lieutenant. Performed a multitude of different roles as it relates to my 20 year tenure in the NYPD. But just at, at the same token, simultaneously, I still performed reserve duties in connection with the Army Reserve. That being said, you know, I, I, the educational component came into play, uh, bachelor's degree, master's degree, and I have a doctorate degree from Fordham University. And so oftentimes when a lot of this news co- stuff comes up, um, questions will arise such as military issues or, you know, matters of importance in connection with social issues or criminal, the, the arena of criminal justice based on my background as being a police officer. So I think that multifaceted aspect is what allowed me to, um, engage in a lot of these media appearances, so to speak. And as it, as it relates to that, subsequently reached to the top of the mountain, and now I'm on with Angel Rodriguez, holding <laughs> it down. <laughs> Yo, this, this shirt and this hat are both from basic training. <laughs> Air Force Base in San Antonio, Texas. You know, it's starting to kind of, you know, I've had this since 97. You know, I still work out with this one. And this was my uh, basic, uh, you know, the, the PT gear. I still okay, have so it. So it's a piece of nostalgia. Just give you a quick story, right? When I went through in 86, um, we wore white T-shirts and the olive green um, uh, pants, so to speak. We didn't wear, we didn't have PT uniforms the way you did when you came through in 97. So um, uh. keep in mind, we're talking 12 years prior to you coming in. But um, now I'm looking at what you're wearing. I'm like, wow, that's what the PT gear it was that they were using. And things have evolved. And I'm sure they're even using something different. Oh, now. yeah. So, you know, when we look at, you know, embarking upon military service, you, have, you need to insert yourself into the branch that best fits the needs that you have moving forward. So whether it's Coast Guard, Army, Navy, Air Force, or Marines, if this was the best fit for you, then by all means, that's what you should apply yourself to. And fortunately, it seems as if you were happy with your decision in becoming an airman. And I guess it came to fruition on the back end. I, I think all these things happen for a reason. When I went in, like I, 
they would address me and I would scream, sorry, you know, Aaron Rodriguez reporting his order. And uh, they, they, they asked, why are you screaming? Sir, Aaron Rodriguez reporting as ordered. I do not understand. And they had to condition me out. Statement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the MTIs, it was a whole lot of screaming and hollering, man. But I went through back in 86. So um, that was the natural order of business in terms of how you were addressed and right? how you addressed them. You know, you, you presented your report, reporting statement, sir. Um, Aaron Porcher reports as ordered, sir. Boom, 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 boom. And that's kind of the way it went. And it was very loud and a boisterous tone, so to speak. But I guess as time progressed, things right. have kind of trickled down, so to speak. And, you know, it's a very different military now in comparison to when I was in. Because I came in, it was, what, 12 years after the Vietnam War ended. So a lot of the NCOs that I had uh, in my oh. command structure were prior Vietnam veterans. So a lot, you had a, the, a, that carryover from that administration was prevalent when I came through. And so when you look at reforms and, and things to that effect, because when we look at you know drug use during Vietnam and, and things to that effect, there was a real seismic shift that occurred within the United States military as a result of what happened in Vietnam. And I was kind of caught up within that causeway and transitioning from the old military into the quote unquote new military. But I think it's something that's always revolutionizing. So like when we look at where they are right now, totally different, totally different military now in comparison to when I came through in 86. My nephew just went through boot um, for the Marine Corps and he told me they were uh, really hard on him and screamed and treated him. I mean, even when I went in, they wouldn't touch us. So if he had to adjust something on me, my TI, he would ask permission. You know, Rodriguez, may I touch you? And, uh, you know, Rodriguez, may I put my hand around your neck for a moment? Like, like they would request <laughs> verbal permission for whatever it is that they were going to do to you and um, right. then proceed to choke you. Dress more, down, right? Yeah, yeah, they gave me a nice, you know, nice uh, But you want to hear something really crazy. Like, when I went into the Army, I thought it was going to be, I felt for me, you had to do boot, right? You had to do their no, boot? No, 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 oh. no. Because I went in as an officer, so I went through um, something that we refer to as an officer's basic course. And okay. so, you know, that being said, I felt that the Air Force for me was harder than what I did in OBC. Um, I was, in, I mean, there was field time, like in Air Force, we didn't have field time in boot camp. And oh officer base, the officer basic course was longer than the um than boot camp in the air force i did more in the army's officer basic course like all right i don't know if you remember you may may not be familiar with camp bullis it was a place in um san antonio texas but it was basically a field um you know field bivouacs that you that that, that you, you 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 partook in for two weeks that wasn't oh. bad um and then you we did, did you a did lot that, more you did that in the air force during Air Force no, bases? no, no. When I left the Air Force, oh, in the Army, the Army, right? Gotcha, exactly. One gotcha, of the gotcha. basic course. There was um, more. Of the, I want to say the physical training was more demanding, and we did a lot more self-defense. We did this thing called combatives, and mm. um, but you know, outside of that, I believe it or not, for me, I thought the Air Force was harder because, like, the alignment of things in the wall locker and how you had yeah. to like um, iron <laughs> t-shirts and stuff like that. Socks, underwear. Flush. Right, right, right. Things needed to be so flush. Like, I didn't know how to do any of that shit back then. So, like, 
and another thing was, I guess when I went through the army, um, when I went through the officer's basic course in the army, I was far more mature. And I already mm. had, um, this was my second bite at the apple in connection with military service. So there were wow. people that were coming in like straight out of college and they didn't really have an understanding as to what military life consisted of. So I think that part worked out well for me. So like marching and a lot of that other stuff, it was second hat for me. So it was relatively easy. But um, yeah, the Air Force, like I said, for me, that one was more challenging going through. Um, Mentally, probably, right? The mental aspect of it. The, the you whole know. shit. <laughs> the, 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 the whole thing, you know, like, and then yeah, physically, you know, I think we only ran like maybe a mile and a half when I went through. Um, mm. So we did far more. The runs in the Army were much longer. Like we were doing four-mile runs, five-mile runs, and stuff like mm. that. And that wasn't happening when I, when I was in the Air Force. <laughs> but, you know, uh, the PT was, was far more demanding. But I think I was also in much better shape. Not that I was in bad shape, because I was 19 when I went through um, Air Force base, um, boot camp. But I was, um, I was older, and I was in far better shape. Um, and so I just think that that kind of helped me a lot in terms of getting through with the runs and stuff like that. That wasn't a problem. Um, mm. There was also more the, I want to say the classroom instruction was far more involved and detailed in the army for me because remember they're training you to be an officer. So there was, right. you know, the, um, the, the, the purview of instruction was very different than like what I did in the air force. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't really that, that difficult, the classroom instruction, but overall I thought it was harder for me when I went through the air force boot camp than it was when I went through the officer basic course in the army. Wow. It's probably the age and the experience. I, I think even within the first two weeks of uh, basic training for me, there was a major shift. That's I the was, hardest time, man. Yeah, That's man. I was in there You're crying. In shit mode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shit mode. The first two weeks, like, yeah, what the, you're looking for the wall. You're like, yo. Trying to get out. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. What the hell did I do? Why did I sign up for this, right? And then I was in your crying. Mind, you're saying, and, damn. The Air Force is, this is supposed to be the easy one here, yeah. right? I didn't know that they're doing all of this. I can't, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time here. Imagine if I would have went to the Marines. Or, you know, I'd be getting ripped apart right now. But after those first two weeks, I adapted. And I became, right. I was like a machine. I, I, I excelled. Like, I, I don't want to use the word institutionalized because of the no, context of institutionalized, but I <laughs> felt like this was, you know, like a fish in water. After those first two weeks, I, 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 was, just, I was just cruising and I loved it. I actually didn't want to leave. You went to Shepherd for your tech school? Yes. Wichita Falls, um, yeah. Texas, right? You know, it's uh, funny. I thought the food at, at Shepherd was actually pretty good in the dining hall. I, um, I, I'm going to agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was real good, actually. Those, yeah. I, I love the omelets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Food, I love the omelets. I, I, the, I, the good old days. I've never had an omelet that was as good as my shepherd omelets. Okay. Yeah, I okay. do I do I, remember that. And yeah. I had to go back there years ago for a seven-level school. And um, when I went back for seven level school, that's when I got the chance to kind of just stretch out a little more. And um, I would never live in Wichita Falls, but at the same <laughs> company, it wasn't bad, man. So you you also did, uh, as you mentioned in the beginning, a long a long period with the NYPD. Um, how do you how do you feel about the current environment? What was my assessment of what's going on right now? 
in connection with the 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 current culture or climate, so to speak. Yeah. I really think that this is a real echo and sentiment of the failed policies of the Blasio administration. He in no way, shape or form had his hand on the pulse. Based on mm -hmm. him being out of touch, the public safety of the eight and a half million citizens in New York have suffered as a result of his inability to act accordingly. Um, there's been a series of different provisions that he's enacted that has subsequently taken the city back 30 years as opposed to progressing us to a different place. And you know, it was so, it's so unfortunate because when he was elected as mayor, he walked into a schematic that was sound under the Bloomberg administration. And in no way, shape or form am I a person that um, touts the successes of Bloomberg. But I think what Bloomberg did was he just basically um, retraced the steps of the Giuliani administration in connection with public safety. And so it wasn't really a hard um, fix for him, so to speak. I shouldn't say there was no fix. But then when we went into the de Blasio administration, he did the same thing. He just retraced the path of the de Blasio, uh, of the Bloomberg administration. But in the wake of the death of George Floyd, that's when things just kind of got chaotic and out of control. And he didn't have a true understanding or recipe for success and repair. And so as a result, things just went hog wild. We had shootings that reached meteoric numbers. There has been no answers from the public safety sentiment in connection with the police department. The police officers, or I should say the police department as a whole, are the avid professionals and as a result of them being the practitioners we need to let them do what they do best in terms of securing the city accordingly i walk down the street there's thousands of people riding bicycles the wrong way doing all types of crazy things lighting on fire just this summer for example mm. i felt like i was in fucking afghanistan or iraq in terms of the number of, of fireworks that i heard and there was nothing done he was very specific in trying to have the officers reframe as opposed to being proactive. And right. when you have a situation or a crisis that's plaguing a city such as what we've seen over the last couple of months, you need to be proactive and not reactive. Um, the shit show that occurred down by City Hall when we had people literally bomb that area with graffiti and um, property damage and things to that effect. And he in no way, shape or form drove a proactive strategy to, okay, we need to get these assholes the fuck out of here and clean up the city. He just kind of sat back, let it happen, and they subsequently destroyed the city block by block. When you look at what happened on 34th Street, when they ran in and looted uh, Macy's, when you look at what happened on um, Fordham Road in the Bronx, when they ran in and looted that area, the same holds true but when they went down into the Tribeca area and looted all of those high-end stores. This was a failure of the de Blasio administration. Nothing was done. Absolute worst man that I've ever seen in the history. And I go back to, I was a cop back in the 90s during a crack epidemic, whereas the crack wars were destroying the city of New York. We were upwards of 2,200 homicides. But the one thing that did happen under the Dinkins administration was he, he had a somewhat of a pedestrian strategy as it relates to public safety initially, but then it got to a point towards the end of the administration, the gloves came off, they hired um, police officers in epic proportions, and then they put in these impact zones, and that's when we had something referred to as Operation Take Back, where we had proactive um, enforcement that subsequently started to decline the crime rate. And then when Giuliani came in, all he did was he just attached to what happened at the end of the Dinkins administration in terms of the, um, the high numbers of cops. This is a time that you need to put your foot down. 
You have to put your foot up people's asses when the shit is not going the way it's supposed to. When I tell you put your foot up somebody's ass, I'm not telling you to whip somebody's ass, but what I'm telling you is now is the time we need to implement a level of omnipresence and go after these people that are bringing illegal guns into the city. They're plaguing our city with violence. They're shooting off fireworks at these crazy hours. It's not happening so much now, but compared to what was happening in the past, we need to do something. We have a gazillion people riding bikes committing to awful acts of fuckery that are going <laughs> basically with impunity. Every time I come out, every time I come outside, if it was up to me, I would take all of those city bikes, round them up and run them into the goddamn sea. When we look at how you have these delivery people that are on cell phones with these motorized bicycles and they just don't give a flying fuck. They'll go down the wrong way. They'll go down the right way. They'll run you over on the goddamn sidewalk and it doesn't matter. And you know what? Nothing is being done about this shit. And this is all a testament to Mayor de Blasio, the public advocate, Jamani Williams, and Corey Johnson, who is the president, or, or I should say the speaker of the city council. Those three lunatics need to go in the catechism of fuckery than being run into the sea. You really want to know how I really feel? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, why don't you go ahead and tell us how you really feel? The 80s and early 90s, New York didn't feel safe. It was crazy. Look, the, the disc that we used to do was your mom works at 42nd Street. You know, and you know what that implied back then, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, that's that was the disc back then. Well, yeah, your mother works at 42nd. Now it means Oh, yeah, she does work at the M&M store, you know, at 42nd Street. It's an entirely different thing. But I've been feeling like New York has been regressing towards that type of a, an era. miles an hour. Ever since COVID hit it, really, you know. I mean, next door to me, there's already been two shootings, including a drive-by. I'm talking about, like, right downstairs. The bullet holes are still at the, at the, the, the building, you know, right. and I live in a nice, quiet neighborhood. You know, I I don't know what's going on. I I've been trying to figure out who's running now. What's you know who's in there to see if if there's someone who who's going to be able to take the reins and 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 sort this out. Cause you know, um, it's not you know it's not. I'm, I feel like I'm walking the streets and I happen to become the you know the 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 17 year old kid who walked around in the south bronx just to just to be able to walk down my block and not get eaten alive you know i mean this is you know. crazy you know and nothing is being done there's no solution there's no plausible alternative to take us to a better place we hear speeches and not solutions from mayor de blasio um we just recently had the chief of patrol in the nypd fasto pachado step down because he was engaged in a cantankerous relationship with the mayor in relation to what the crime control strategy should be moving forward. Um, mm. We look at bail reform. We're, we're operating something I refer to as a catch and, catch and release stream. People get locked up and they're out in two hours to commit more crimes. Um, and this runs wow. consistent with the Blasio's policies that are not good for New York. Um, I just think that at what point does he put his finger to the pulse and say, okay, enough already, let me get something done. And we look at uh, a lot of the failed policies in connection with Thrive NYC, 
where we had $900 million that has since gone unaccounted for based on a program or a project that he and his wife were funding or managing in connection with helping or providing assistance to the homeless. And then we move forward to we see defunding the one the NYPD by one billion dollars. I know where that nine hundred million dollars were. <laughs> you know what I mean? That went to uh, that went to De Blasio's personal coffers, and the defunding of the one the NYPD by one billion dollars is being used to basically re up the re up those funds that were lost under the Thrive NYC. It's just mm. a real problem, and the city is just going backwards. We look at the mass exodus of people in New yeah. York that are middle of, to upper income. You know, we uh, look at um, moving moving companies. The moving companies yeah. have said that this is their the the busiest they've been in years. And what yeah. it does is it impacts on the, the city socioeconomically because that's a recession in tax revenue that's definitely needed in terms of the resurgence in the wake of after the COVID-19 pandemic. The COVID-19 pandemic is not over. We're still in the process of going through it, but this is another example of mismanagement from City Hall, which clearly shows that this wasn't the guy that should have been in office. And I was never a fan of his from when he was the public advocate. I felt that he was just basically a bag of hot air that had no solutions in all speeches speeches and this subsequently came to fruition as we see right now um the city is under siege man and then one of the things that i, I look to is like him or not donald trump being the president if you need federal funds and you are the new york city mayor this is the time that you need to employ a level of diplomacy don't go in and say "Fuck you you're not shit um i hate your guts and then expect to come and sit down with the president and him a lot, a grant of billions of dollars to the city. It's not going to happen. And if mm. you want to be a plausible, that's real talk, right there. Right. You know, if you, you want to people be won't like, they won't like to hear that, right? Yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. real talk. If you yeah. want to be a plausibly successful um, elected official, you need to be able to employ diplomacy through the active discourse, not just you're not shit. This is what it is. And then another issue is. De Blasio and Como, those these are um, De, Como is another zero. The um, state police have five thousand state troopers for the entire state of New York. The NYPD has thirty six thousand cops just for New York City alone. Mm. They got into a posturing competition between De Blasio and um, Como, and so what Como does is he now deploys a contingent of state troopers into the city, which we, which are doing absolutely nothing outside of sitting on the side of highways and issuing summonses. And this goes back to the citizens of the state of New York are paying a tax revenue out of their tax dollars to support that contingent of state troopers that are here in New York City. I would have been in wholehearted agreements for having state troopers in New York if you positioned them in the hot zones where we're, exper where we're experiencing the meteoric rise in gun violence. If we, mm. we send them to Brownsville, we send them to Harlem, we send them to the South Bronx, and merely place them in a component of omnipresence. If they're going mm. to respond to these situations, fine, but not sit your ass on the side of the highway pulling over speeders. That's not what we need. 
we are under siege. And it goes back to the mayor and governor are it going through this thing b b between themselves and it's ultimately hurting us as citizens. They failed to employ dem um, diplomacy for, this, for the betterment of us as citizens. And we clearly see the end result of two tragically flawed politicians as a result. These are supposed to be adults. You know, I've had, I've had, um, on this yeah, I've had on this very podcast, I've had Trump supporters and I've been able to have, um, dialogue and, and understanding and, and, and I would consider them friends, you know, um, how can we little people, right. Do this, but these people at the position of power can't, can't have a, you know, can't, can't have a dialogue, you know, I, I, don't necessarily agree. So I had a Latino Trump supporter come on and we were talking and engaging and I didn't agree with what he said, but that doesn't mean that I can't talk to him. That doesn't mean that we can't um, agree on some things and, and in some way try to find a consensus. You know, that's the problem with these politicians that, and, and with society in general, right? Because Whenever I put up a, like if I put up a post that says um, Trump did something good, this is what he did, right? I am not saying that I agree with everything Trump did. I'm not saying that I am going to vote for Trump. I'm not saying that I'm a Trump supporter. I'm saying he did a good thing. And I am acknowledging that good thing. And if you I probably do, extreme, extreme blind backlash, whether it was oh, good or bad, what was I posted. get attacked. And that just goes to how people are blinded by their politics on an unable to view through the lens of what's right for society. Yeah, I get attacked. I get, I've had people unfriend me, you know, and I said, guys, I, do you not see how I often I call him on the things that I don't like? But if he did something right, why can't I not give him credit? Why can't I not? He released um, uh, uh, a black grandma from prison who was imprisoned, in, in my opinion. Justice reform. You know, he, it, 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 it was an excessive time of imprisonment. And I saw that because it was a nonviolent offense. And, 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 um, and I think that was a good thing. Right. I think that was a good thing. And I, I got attacked. I get attacked for it. And, you know, that, that's the problem. It's not just the politicians amongst themselves. It's us people, individuals at the lower level too, who, who whenever we do try to be reasonable, I've been told that I'll flip-flop. And I don't flip-flop. If Trump did something good, I'm going to give him his props. You know, right. if, if, if de Blasio did something good, which... One thing that he did, Angel, not to cut you off, uh -uh. one thing I give him an immense credit for is when he ran for president. Because when he ran for president, he now universalized his incompetence throughout the whole country. And we <laughs> all got the chance to identify the zero that he is. He pulled lower than 1%. And so I think that was the best thing that he ever did. Because he now just put his incompetence on display to the whole country. Yeah, I don't know what that was about. That try to change his whole look with skinny jeans and, you know. Yeah. I, I mean, I mocked the guy, but I, at the end of the day, we're the ones who suffer because the city's, Absolutely. you know, look at, look at the city right now where it's at. You know, I always compare us, and, and we're not even that old, so it's kind of arrogant of me to say it, but like I've said, look at the Roman Empire. You know, they were like the most powerful empire for a time, and now, gone. Is that, is that where we're headed? 200 years from now, are they going to look back and look at those Americans? They had so much going for them but they destroyed themselves because they couldn't simply talk.
I'm glad that you had me on and we were able to discuss some terminal issues of relevance that are impacting our society. And, you know, just we have an information exchange in connection with the way I see things, the way you see things. And hopefully as we gradually progress as a society, we will better enable ourselves to sit down at the table and engage in an information exchange that puts us in a better place as opposed to being tearing, torn apart by the separation and division that's been plaguing us over the last few years. We'll see what happens. Yeah, All right, brother. Well, once again, man, it was a pleasure being on with you. And hopefully yeah, I can talking appear to you, again man. sometime in the future. Yeah, for sure, man. It's good talking to you, brother. All right, Angel. All right, All take right. care of yourself. All right. Be okay. easy, man. All take right. care. All right, you too. You are listening to the NYC Talking Podcast. www.nyctalking.com Please like NYC Talking on Facebook. Please follow Angel R. Talk on Twitter and Instagram. We are NYC Talking, the realest lifestyle blog ever. Thanks for listening.